Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Flowing Sunflower podcast. I am your host, Blakes. Today, I am here with Ryan. Ryan, you work at EcoCycle, um, so I'm going to let you introduce yourself and maybe talk about EcoCycle and what you do for EcoCycle. Yeah, thanks for inviting me, Blakes. Uh, my name is Ryan Call. I'm a campaigns coordinator for EcoCycle. Um, I'm going to give you the long answer for what EcoCycle does because uh, it's a it's a big organization. We do a lot. So uh, EcoCycle is one of the oldest and largest nonprofit recycling organizations in the country. Been around in uh, Boulder, Colorado since 1976, and we started um, as a volunteer organization that bought some old school buses and really started curbside recycling in Colorado. Um, since then, we've developed many different departments and trailblazed um, all things zero waste. So you'll hear me use the term zero waste and circular economy, which go beyond just recycling. But some of the different things that we do include, um, we have a, a schools department that goes to around 60 different schools every year and educates kids of all ages and also works with staff to develop zero waste systems, so recycling, composting in cafeterias, uh, waste reduction. Um, these schools tend to have waste diversion rates around 60%, which is way higher than the national average. And um, I don't know about how you got into environmental issues, but for me, and I think for a lot of other kids, uh, we learn about environmental issues through uh, recycling, composting, etc. It's very tangible, easy to understand. And, you know, you grow up as a um, good recyclers. So that, that's one department that we do. Um, we also operate two different recycling centers. So we are on contract with Boulder County to operate the Boulder County Recycling Center. So that's publicly owned, but EcoCycle has operated it since it opened in 2001. And so that's a materials recovery facility, also called a MRF, or some people just think of it as a recycling sorting facility. And since it's open, we've really tried to trailblaze best practices to have the, the cleanest material coming out the other end of the recycling facility to sell. Um, also have good labor practices and the facility itself, it was built with um, zero waste principles in mind. So there's a lot of open light, there's recycled materials used to build the, build the facility. And the thing that I'm most proud of is that it's it was built to invite the public in. So it's a real example of um, bringing folks in to show them how recycling works. Um, we're constantly doing tours for different different organizations and schools, and uh, we're very proud of our, our work at the Boulder County Recycling Center. So that's one facility that we run. The other one is uh, one that we own, um, and that's called the Center for Hard to Recycle Materials, or CHARM for short. And this is a first in the nation type facility that's a drop-off center for things that you wouldn't want to put in your recycling bin, but still technically can be recycled. So we accept 26 different types of materials there, including bikes and toilets and books and fire extinguishers and Christmas lights and electronics. Uh, the list goes on, but again, there we tried to trailblaze um, recycling efforts that um, are both environmentally and socially responsible. I'm sure you've probably seen some news stories about um, 
environmentally and socially irresponsible recycling systems, whether it's through the uh, global supply chain or through you know, bad labor practices. We really try to uh, be a leader in this space. And um, you know, other organizations have, have based their hard to recycle uh, operations off of what we do. Um, we also, uh, connected to our recycling operations, we haul both uh, recyclables and uh, compostables from businesses. We don't collect from households, but we do work with businesses to, uh, to haul. Uh, we don't collect trash. That's not our business, um, but we're happy to come pick up recyclables and um, food scraps and yard trimmings from commercial businesses. Um, one area where we trailblazed with our hauling services is that we bought the nation's very first fully electric compost collection vehicle. So you probably think of a big trash truck as noisy, loud. They get about three miles to the diesel gallon. But this uh, uh, new truck is both zero emissions and zero waste. So um, we hope to see more and more electric uh, collection vehicles. Let's see. the. I believe the last um, area that I'll focus on is um, the one that I work in, and that is in our uh, policy department. So um, what we do is we work with different municipalities, environmental organizations, and also um, state legislators to pass policies that improve zero waste systems, right? The underlying rules that manage how we, um, how we recycle, um, how we reduce plastics. Um, there's so much to do in policy and I um, feel like I've caught a wave since I started working here in the spring of 2021, where there's some really exciting trailblazing things going on, uh, not just locally, but at the state level. So of course there's <clears throat> all sorts of other um, things that we do, but to sum it up, I say that EcoCycle does all things zero waste. Mm, awesome. Yeah, that's a great transition into my next question is, um, so what is zero waste? And I also know the term eco living as well. If you could kind of touch on these topics. Sure, absolutely. So um, whenever I do a presentation, I like to start with that question. What is zero waste? Um I mentioned earlier as a kid, you know, we all learn reduce, reuse, recycle. You probably hear that phrase before we know what any of those terms really mean. Uh, but zero waste goes beyond just reducing, reusing, and recycling. It's really a um, sort of an environmental philosophy and a set of design principles um, meant to not just uh, reduce, reuse, recycle, but that also includes um, reselling things through thrift stores. It means repairing uh, materials and having the right to repair certain materials. It means, um, oh, I have a big list of terms that all start with R. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it, it's really a way of thinking about our materials and how we can best manage them and also um, what order to best manage these. You know, it's often lost that reduce, reuse, recycle is um, listed in order of environmental preferability. So a lot of emphasis has been on recycling. And of course, I just highlighted that we, you know, are partially a recycling organization, but there really needs to be more work done in waste reduction and reuse systems. And the other R term that um, 
escaped me earlier is really rethinking and redesigning um, the systems that we take for granted. You know, in the U.S., we you know are only about four percent of the global population, but I think the last statistic I saw is that we generate about twelve percent of the world's waste. So to me, you know, I, that's not an issue that we're going to recycle our way out of necessarily. It's still part of the solution, but we really need to. Uh, be reducing, reusing, and rethinking how we do things. So that's um, that's zero waste in a nutshell. I'll, I'll plug early on here that if you'd like to learn more about any of these topics, check out ecocycle.org. Now you also asked about eco-living and that's, uh, I'll start kind of high, high level and say that that's a, a hot topic in any sort of environmental field is whether we should be focusing on individual solutions or systemic solutions. And you'll hear back and forth um, different arguments and it swings back and forth, but I don't think it's really an either or question. I think it's a both and uh, solution. So in terms of waste, you know, should we focus so much on what individuals do and how they use their recycling bins or should we be looking at the big players? And, and really my thought on, on eco-living and that whole individual slash systemic question is that when individuals um, live in an environmentally responsible way and have actions that are, are uh, pro-environmental, that influences your community. It influences the um, elected officials who vote on these different systemic issues. Um, and those systemic issues also have um, influences on individuals. So it's sort of like a feedback loop. And I think that the antidote, you know, to go back to your question about eco-living, uh, personally, I feel like the antidote to despair and um, the doom of that we face in environmental issues is to take action. And that's something you can do with zero waste. So I don't, I don't um, want to uh, what's the term? I, I think it's good to to celebrate wins on an individual level. Um, I don't want to minimize those efforts, um, but it's we also need to acknowledge that more needs to be done on a systemic level. My next question here is, so you've talked a little bit about pollution, right? Pollution being part of the problem. And um, I think in combination with that, because although that is obviously a very valid concern, um, I think a lot of people might not understand how these things are connected to climate change. Can you maybe um, explain that? Oh, absolutely. This is one of my favorite topics in Zero Waste because it's so overlooked and underappreciated. Um, so I'll throw out just a couple couple um, points on how zero waste is connected to the climate. Um, and honestly, we could spend an hour just talking about this, but I'll hit some, some high level okay. issues. Um, and I really want to start with uh, food waste. So, you know, we, we spend a lot of time thinking about recycling in terms of like paper, plastics. Um, all these have a can have a pro-environmental impact. But when we look at um, food waste in America, we waste about 40% of the food that we uh, generate that's for sale. 
And when we're wasting that food, we're not just wasting the food itself, but we're wasting the land that the food was grown in, the water that was used, the fertilizers, the labor, the transportation, all those things to go to a grocery store or restaurant to eventually, you know, if it's not eaten or composted or fed to an animal, um, it'll go to a landfill that when uh, landfills are closed, they the food waste, the organic matter, including yard waste, uh, decomposes anaerobically or without oxygen. That makes a chemical reaction to produce uh, methane gas, which is 84 times as potent of a greenhouse gas compared to carbon dioxide. And landfills are the third largest emitter of um, methane after agriculture and oil and gas. And um, if you look at the recent Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Changes report, they identified, you know, if we want to take climate action now, let's focus on these big emitters, things that make methane gas and other potent greenhouse gases and focus on those. And that's something that can, again, be addressed and scaled up on both the individual and systemic level. Um, I'll mention too, that if you look at uh, Project Drawdown, which is a fantastic uh, resource for climate change solutions, and you go to their table of solutions and sort them by what has the biggest impact, the number one solution is reducing food waste. Uh, just has a tremendous resounding climate impact. So that's that's just food waste in a nutshell. I'm watching the, uh, <laughs> the timer click here. So um, I'll mention too, you know, there's a lot of talk about plastics. And again, we could spend an hour, two hours all day just talking about plastics. Um, but we all know that you know paper comes from trees, that aluminum comes from metals um, that are mined. Plastics come from oil and gas. And I think that, and I've seen a lot of great organizations um, make the tie that our plastic consumption is tied to the fossil fuel industry. The fossil fuel industry is really making a pivot. They see the writing on the wall that renewable energy is cheaper, cleaner, it is the future, it is now. Um, they want to keep their operations afloat, keep their shareholders happy, and that means pivoting their um, oil and natural gas refining to make more plastics. And as I mentioned earlier, we're not going to recycle our way out of our waste issues, and that's especially true with plastics. Um, you might have seen the number that, you know, a very low percentage of plastics are recycled, and the reason for that, part of the reason, is that they're difficult to recycle, a lot of plastics were not designed to be recyclable and because um, natural gas and oil is so cheap because it's federally subsidized in part, um, new plastics tend to be less expensive than recycled plastics. That's not always the case and I'm all for legitimate plastic recycling, but again, and we need to be emphasizing uh, waste reduction and really rethinking these systems. So plastics are very problematic. And I, I, if I remember correctly, that's where we met, right, is working on Colorado's Plastic Pollution Reduction Act, where that's a, a systemic um, solution to a systemic problem. Yes. And for listeners, that policy work that, that we met through was um, aiming to reduce plastic pollution. So reducing styrofoam takeout containers and uh, charging for plastic bags at the grocery store, which would then change to paper bags, which 
has an end goal of no bags at all. You just, you got to bring your own bag. Um, and those are just examples. Um, another piece of that legislation was uh, removing the preemption law that restricted local municipalities from making their own decisions on what is and is not allowed uh, in their area in terms of plastics because it's it's so complex, as you had mentioned before, the systems that work with plastics and recycling and waste management that not every local area has the capacity to recycle certain materials, has the facilities, has the financial support resources. Um, so a lot of stuff that is recyclable just ends up in landfill. Um, and so giving them the empowerment to make those decisions reduces a lot of those problems. So EcoCycle does policy work. What What's going on now with that? Um, is there something in the works for the future? Uh, something in the works for the now? Oh, absolutely. You know, when I got hired on and asked my coworker, what, what should I know about this work and uh, zero waste in general? She said that the, the work never ends. You know, there's always something to improve on. Um, having said that, I would love to be 40, 50, 60 years old and, you know, say, all right, that's it. Work is done, you know, and, and have all these systems fixed. But um, yeah, there, there's always things to work on and improve. And um, as I mentioned earlier, I it is a very exciting time for zero waste policy, uh, not just in Colorado, but, but nationwide and globally. So um, it's, it's a little early for me to talk about some of the issues that we're looking at for the next state legislative session. Um, but I can mention that one bill that, that is expected to be introduced is um, something called uh, Skip the Stuff. So that is a policy concept of um, requiring restaurants to simply ask customers if they want a huge stack of napkins or plastic utensils or condiments before getting a handful um, in their in their bag. And the reason why that that would work as a state level policy, um, some smaller communities throughout Colorado have this policy, including Denver, um, is that it levels a playing field for restaurants that already do that. So that becomes the norm, right? One of those systemic changes. Um, not only does it, will that reduce waste and many of the common plastic pollutants that are found in litter cleanups, but it'll also save restaurants money. So, so that is a bill that we know for sure that will be introduced. Um, there's, there's so much going on at the state level that it's, um, there are many, many different concepts being um, discussed and prioritized right now. So I, I don't want to misspeak and, and say that this is the next big thing and, you know, this will be introduced. Um, but if you're listeners or, or you are interested, it, uh, go to ecocycle.org and hit that get involved tab at the top and you can sign up for different newsletters. And that's one thing that, that I've really enjoyed doing through this job is getting the community involved. And when a policy is, is in the works, uh, whether it's at a at the state or local level, um, 
we will call on folks like you who are interested in these topics and send action alerts. And that's really, you know, just as an aside, but um, maybe I should have led with, that's really the backbone of EcoCycle has been people who care. You don't necessarily need to be an expert in zero waste or any topic to make an impact. You just have to care. And the people who care and show up and write their legislators, um, that is how things get done. So I, I realize I, I detoured around this question of what exactly will we be working on, but um, the short answer is that we'll be working on a lot. And touching on how to get involved with the newsletter and you said taking action um, which is great because my last question that I usually ask in these interviews is what do you recommend to people who want to get involved yeah so definitely get on our our newsletter um, even if you don't live in Colorado um, we send about a monthly newsletter and updates on different reports that we're doing um, and that just helps folks stay stay informed. Um, so so sign up for our newsletter. You can also follow us on social media. So through Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. We also have a YouTube channel. Um, I think we're less active on Twitter slash X, but follow us on there anyway. Um, and we, again, just keep folks informed on actions that they can take as individuals and also um, as communities. And um, I also want to emphasize a program um, that is called our, our Eco Leader Program. And that is for folks who want to be kind of in an inner circle of people who are interested in zero waste and want to take action. And this is really based in the principles of community-based social marketing. So it's about talking to your neighbors, about being a, a point person in your community and building out these systems. So if, if, what we've been talking about really excites you go to our webpage and send an email to become an eco leader and we'll talk to you about what it's about you know there's no time commitment but we do like to to talk to people um virtually or over the phone or in person if we can to just you know make that community connection because i mentioned earlier reduce reuse recycle rethink the thing that ties all of these things together, the thing that ties zero waste together and environmental issues is relationships. Um, perhaps the most important R term of zero waste. So um, get involved with EcoCycle. Think of us as a resource for your community, for your school project, um, for your career. Um, we really want to, to share the message and, and continue our work as zero waste leaders. Great. Well, thank you for answering my questions today. Thank you for taking the time to, to meet with me and talk about these topics. Um, Ryan, I, I really appreciate you. Hey, no problem, Blake. I'm, I love my job and I love talking about it. So uh, thanks for your interest. And I hope that you will sign up for our newsletter if you're not already signed up. <laughs> of course.